our discussion tonight, it begins with Google. With Google, yes, our tech overlords. Um, they tell us what to think. They, they let us know what, what is right and wrong. They tell us what is factual. Um, just kidding. I don't, I don't believe that. Um, but I don't know if you know this, but our church, Core Church LA, uh, we've been getting Google reviews for... <laughs> I saw you. You, you, you used, a, used a, a, a different name. You used an alias. It was like Cinnamon Man or something like that. Yeah. That was the BC days. Um, but yeah, we've been getting Google reviews for about eight years now. And uh, recently, recently, Pastor Steve, uh, this, I don't know if it was this past Sunday or the Sunday prior, but Pastor Steve was out in San Jacinto. Uh, and so he was preaching out there, and somebody left a Google review based on what they heard Pastor Steve talking about in San Jacinto. Now, those of you who are regulars and members of Core Church LA, uh, you know that Pastor Steve is not one to hold back truth. Like, he will just speak the truth. Um, and you also know that he could be a clown. Like, you know, he could be silly. He, he gets silly up here, talking about double doubles with chopped chilies, you know, all that stuff. Um, but this person who left a Google review, they were so bothered uh, by what Pastor Steve had said that he began his Google review with these words. Steve Wilburn is evil. Whew. There's a hefty accusation. <laughs> uh, he claimed that Pastor Steve uh, was wanting people to get struck by lightning and die. That, that Pastor Steve was encouraging everyone uh, to hate and make fun of transgenders. Uh, that Pastor Steve, he's, uh, he, they said that he is no leader of Jesus' teachings. Uh, this person said that he hated that he heard everything that came out of Pastor Steve's hateful speech. Uh, and he said that Pastor Steve is a, quote, hateful, hateful, hateful person, end quote. And, of course, in all of these accusations, this person also quoted the words of Jesus, uh, which said, uh, judge lest ye be judged. Judge not lest you be judged. You know, as he's heaping all kinds of judgment on, on Pastor Steve in his, in his review. Now, I listened to the message that Pastor Steve preached on that Sunday in San Jacinto, and um, I heard Pastor Steve's usual style of, of preaching, a little silly, a little funny, um, and very relevant to what's going on in our culture. Very relevant. A lot of truth was shared in that message. And of course, when people are poked and prodded by the Bible, when they're poked and prodded in areas that they hold sacred in their lives, they're going to feel threatened. They're going to feel upset. But that doesn't change the truth. That does not change the truth. That just means that you need to change your subjective opinion on what truth is and switch it over to the objective truth of the Word of God. And just in case, uh, just in case that the clarity of our position here at Core Church LA is not clear, or maybe it's been missed by some of you, or maybe it's been overlooked, our position here at Core Church LA, I want to be clear that we do not hold any ill will or hatred towards anybody. Zero. Doesn't matter who you are or what you do or what you have done. We hold to the same perspective that God holds, which is found throughout the Bible, 
but specifically 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, which says, this is, a good, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's our position. It's God's position. We also find God's position and perspective in 2 Peter 3.9, which says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God wants all people to come to the knowledge of the truth, and he wants all people to come to repentance. Truth and repentance. This is what he wants for all people, and this is what we as Christians want or should want for all people as well. Deuteronomy 32.4, it says this, His work is perfect. All his ways are just. He is a faithful God without bias. He is righteous and true. John 1.14 says that the word became flesh, speaking about Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Truth. God is truth. And he wants all people to come to the knowledge of that truth. And he also desires repentance for all people, meaning you change your mind and you change your heart about the sin in your life. A change that is ignited first by your exposure to the truth. And so now you realize that God is right, God is correct, and you are wrong despite your attachments to your sins. But the truth dictates that it is wrong, your sins. The truth dictates that your sin is wrong. God is right, God is correct, and true. But that will ruffle feathers. That will ruffle feathers. Nobody likes to be told that they are not in the right. Nobody likes to hear that. I mean, just the other night, my wife was bringing something to my attention that was challenging my own perception of myself. I thought of myself one way, but she was kind of revealing to me that, like, no, actually, she was exposing the truth, a truth that I did not want to hear in that moment. I didn't want to hear it. It ruffled my feathers. And I almost began to bite back, you know, as husbands tend to do. Uh, but, you know, I didn't like what I was hearing. But I knew that what she was saying was true. I knew that what she was saying was true. So I decided just to repent. I repented. It wasn't easy, but she was right. I was wrong. And it happens every once in a while. You know. and, and so it is with God. You know, he, he exposes us. And especially when he uses other people to expose us, that's when it's really hard, when he uses other people to expose us, which is basically the only way that he does these things. He uses other people to expose us. Rare instances aside, God will always use other humans to expose us and our sinful lifestyles. He uses humans to speak to other humans about his holy words. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul tells the Thessalonians, he said, this is why we constantly thank God because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. But a lot of times people don't like God's message. They don't like the word of God. So instead of taking the truth for what it is as coming from God and being a life-giving and, and life-saving message, we get offended. We get offended and we begin to attack the conduit of God's word. We begin to attack the messenger of God's word. 
We go after the messenger rather than dealing with the, with the word of God is trying to deal with us, what the word of God is addressing in our lives. And I bring all of this up because not, not to, like, like, to defend Pastor Steve. Like, he doesn't need to be defended. He's, he's an instrument of God. God can defend him. But I bring all of this up because I just want all of us to understand and to be reminded of the fact that we are not sharing a popular message out here. This is not a popular message, this gospel. But it's God's only message. And it's the only message that will save sinners from hell. The only message. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. It's the only message. It's the only message. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Nothing else. There's nothing else. And this message will be offensive, and this message will be stupid to others. People will see this message as very stupid. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. This message is foolishness to those who don't believe. It's a dumb message. It's dumb. But for us who are being saved, we know it's not dumb. We know it's eternal life. We know it's the truth. It is the truth. So don't be surprised when people revile you, when people say horrible things about you, that you're evil, or that you're a hateful, hateful, hateful person. <laughs> Expect it. In Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Jesus said, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me because of Jesus. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. So don't let the fear of man cause you to be timid in sharing your faith. Don't be swayed by the prospect of being made fun of, or people treating you like you're evil, or people treating you like you're less than. Don't be afraid of that. Romans 8, 31 through 39 says this, what then? are we to say about these things? If God is for us, thank you. Who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. This was the, the plight of the Christians. Because of, because of God, we are being put to death all day long. We are, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, this is the, the, the golden, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, no, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can be done to you that will separate you from the love of Christ. So go forward in that confidence. 
move forward in that confidence and know that he will guide you as you take steps of faith in him. And always, always, always do all things in love. Make sure you are doing things in love, in kindness, in compassion, and in gentleness, which are fruits of the Spirit. But never holding back the truth in order to spare feelings or be politically correct or be unoffensive. But this requires of you, of you all, the action of knowing this message, of knowing the gospel and knowing the God who gives this message. Knowing your Bibles, knowing your Bibles. Oh no, he's beating that drum again. Yes, I am beating that drum again. I bring this up yet again because of something that I've been meaning to bring up in the past, but just never have for some reason. So here we are, here's the reason. Um, there was another Google review. I read this about like, maybe like a year ago. I, I read it. I, don't, I was randomly, I don't know, was I even, I don't know if I was a pastor. I don't think I was a pastor yet, so it, it might have been even farther back. But I remember reading this review about, about Core Church, and um, it, had me scratch, it kind of had me scratching my head a little bit. Uh, this person, he came to the church, and they had many wonderful things to say. I say that sarcastically. But the thing that stood out to me the thing that stood out to me was when this person, they wrote in their review that they had asked a couple of people, they had asked a couple of people what the church's doctrines were. And that the people, they responded by telling this person, you should go ask the pastor. Now, this person who wrote the review, they seem to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder anyway, but I think that this observation is a valid one. It's a valid one to address anyway. If someone were to ask you, what you believe. What do you believe? Is this something that you can communicate to them from the Bible? Is this something that you can communicate? Or is it something that you have to look to me or to one of the other pastors or to somebody who's more mature in the faith than you are to tell you what you believe? My overwhelming desire, my overwhelming desire is that any new person, any person off the street can walk into this church and they can come up to any one of you who call yourselves Jesus followers, and you would be able to communicate the gospel to them and what you believe based on the Bible. God has not called every single one of us to be pastors and teachers or theologians or any of that. But Jesus told his original disciples to go out and make what? Disciples. Go out and make disciples. We have all been called to be disciples. If you have been called for salvation, you have been called for discipleship as well. That is to be a student, to be a follower, a committed learner. That's what it means to be a disciple and that's what we've all been called to do. That's what it means. That's what we've been called to be, disciples. And you'd be surprised how many people have been walking with the Lord for over a year or even longer, like a decade. <laughs> And they still haven't made it a habit to read the Bible daily. Or they've never even read the entire Bible. Or have even read the entire New Testament. They've only read a random psalm or a random proverb every once in a while. They play a Bible roulette. You know? But the word of God as a whole is still foreign to them. Brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. This ought not to be so. 
As it says in Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14, we have a great deal to say to you about this, and it is difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Ouch. Although by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. You guys, if you've been walking with the Lord for some time now, over a year, a couple of years, a couple of decades, you should not need me or anyone else to teach you about sin and hell and repentance, the basic foundations of the faith, the things that are described as milk and Hebrews. This should already be in your knowledge base and understanding. And they're great reminders and admonishments when you come to the Bible study to hear about these things. I love it. I love hearing about the basics of the faith when I come to a Bible study because it's just a reminder like, yes, yes, yes. It's a good reminder when these things are preached about but this stuff shouldn't be new to you. You shouldn't be taught these things if you've been walking with the Lord for a bit. Now, for those of you who are still new, who you're, you're new to the Lord, you're getting, you're getting used to the word, you know, you're, you're, you're learning. I'm not talking to you. Learn. Keep learning. Don't be discouraged. Keep learning. Keep going. Don't, be, don't, don't, don't worry that you don't know where Habakkuk is. I still don't know where Habakkuk is. <laughs> Got to look at my table of contents. That's why it's there. But if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you should know these things. And you should be teaching others these things. You should be teaching others this stuff. Like I said earlier, sharing the truths of God, sharing the gospel, teaching others about these things. And moving on to solid food, which is for the mature. Move on to the daily nourishment of the word so that you can grow in maturity. And as we shift our conversation, into the realm of maturity, there's something that I've been wanting to share with you all for the past few weeks. Um, I told you guys a few weeks ago that there's, there's, there's like themes in my life a lot of times, and, and it's for a reason, you know? So like I try to share, I always try to share the themes with everybody, like, oh, this, is, this keeps popping up. And so there's this thing that I've been wanting to share with you all for the past few weeks, but just haven't been able to. Um, but many of you in here are fairly young. Many of you in here, you know, you're in your, your early 20s, mid 20s, and even those of you who are a little bit older, uh, this applies to you as well, especially if, if you're in a place where you're not spiritually mature. Um, but the principle that I'm going to be talking about right now, it comes from Matthew 25, Luke 19, and Luke 16. Matthew 25, Luke 19, and Luke 16. In, in two of these portions of Scripture, I believe it's Luke 16 and Luke 25. No, no, Luke 25 and Luke 19. In those two portions of Scripture, uh, we read parables about money usage. In one parable, it's called a talent, and one in the other parable, it's called a minas. And so we read a parable about money usage. And obviously, this isn't about money. You know, I've, I've, I've heard when I was coming up in the Lord, when I first got saved, there's a lot of people that, like, they would turn the Bible into, like, a money-making book. Like, because they'd be like, well, you know, the Bible talks about money more than, any, more than anything. Like, yeah, but read it in context. It's not talking about building wealth. It's, it's, these, these things are spiritual. Like, if you read it in its context, you know that Jesus isn't talking about investing your money in the stock market. You know, like, he's, he, it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's always a spiritual thing. Men see the physical, the natural, but it's a spiritual thing. 
Now, we see about money usage. A landowner, he leaves on a trip, and he gives money to his servants, and he tells them to work with the money. Do, do work with the money. Make more money. And all of the servants do exactly that. They multiply what was, what was entrusted to them, except for one servant. He was so afraid of not being able to get it done that he just hides the money that he was given. And, and until his master comes back, and then, of course, the master was upset, and he threw out the slave, the servant, who did nothing and gave what he had to another servant who did what they were supposed to do. And to every one of the slaves that made more of what they were given, they were given even more afterwards. You know, they proved to be faithful with what they were given, so they were given more. The slaves were told, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority over more. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Jesus also said that he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. And so the reason I bring these things up is that as many, as, as many of you are young, whether in actual age, like you are actually young in age, or you're young in your walk in Christ, regardless of the length of time that you've been in the faith. You could, you, could, you could be, I've been a Christian for 15 years, but you could still be young in the faith. So regardless of what the circumstances are, as you, as you are in your respective youths, I know that many of you, you're, you, aspire, you aspire for more in your spiritual lives. You, you desire more in your, in your walk with Christ. You desire one day to have a spouse. You desire one day to have children. You desire to have a greater walk in Christ, a more devoted life. You want to have a marriage that is centered on Christ, parenting that is centered on Christ. You envision things for your future marriage, and you know you see like, yeah, when I get married, me and my me and my wife or me and my husband, we're we're we're, we're gonna pray every night. We're gonna read the Bible every morning. We're gonna fast every Tuesday. You know, like you have all these dreams and aspirations. We're we're gonna do Christ-centered ministry. I just did some premarital counseling for, for, for some people. And um, so the way that we do it here at Core Church is you, you get this book. It's called Before You Say I Do. And you and your engaged uh, person, uh, your fiancé, that's the word. Um, you, <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of it. <laughs> um, but you and your fiancé, um, you fill out these books without talking to each other. You just answer them separately, and then you turn them into the pastors, and then we'll look at, you know, your answers and to kind of see, like, okay, what should they be looking out for? Like, where are the discrepancies? Like, like you know, a lot of times the big one is finances. Like, like what would you do with money? I'll spend it all. And then, oh, what would you do with money? I ain't spending nothing. And it's like, okay, there's going to be problems here, you know, so let's talk about that. It's not to, like, discourage anybody from getting married. It's just like, hey, there's going to be problems, so y'all need to figure this out. But anyway, um, I just did some premarital counseling over the weekend, and, like, they had all the right answers. Like, they both had all the right answers. Everything was good. Like, what would you do if, if this happened in your marriage? Oh, man, I would pray and, and seek the Lord and fast and, you know, you know, seek the Lord with my spouse. Like, what would you do if this happened? Same, pray, seek the Lord, all of these things. What, 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 do, you, what do you envision for your family? Oh, we're going to be at church every Sunday, and we're going to be serving. We're going to be so devoted. All of these things, all of the right answers. They had all of the right answers. But my question to them was, okay, you have all the right answers, but do you have the right life right now? 
is, is the life that you have now, is that a life that if tomorrow you were to get married, is that what you envision? Is that what your life is going to look like? Because who you are now, who you are as, as a single person right now, is going to determine who you're going to be in marriage. It's not like you say, I do, and then a switch flips, and then it's like, oh, yeah, now I'm super godly. No. You have to be whatever you envision for your marriage, you have to be that now. So that when you get married, it's not like you're in transition, like, okay, how, how do I do this now? No, 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 no. It's already established now. You have already established these biblical principles in your life. Likewise, you guys all may have these aspirations and hopes that you'll have a devoted life in the future, but is your life devoted now? Is your life devoted now? Are you growing in maturity now? And you desire to have more. You desire to have a spouse. You desire to have children. You desire to have a home and all the rest to be, to be responsible over things. But are you responsible over yourself now? Are you faithful with the very little thing so that you can be in authority over more later? The Lord wants you to be responsible and accountable for what little you have right now so that you are ready to be responsible and accountable for the more that he has for you later. But the more that he wants, that he wants to give you later, it isn't guaranteed to you. It is not guaranteed to you. God is not obligated to give you the more just because, you know, time has passed. I'm older now. I'm wiser. I am more mature because it's been 10 years. If you're not ready for it, it will not be given to you. It will not. Jesus said, speaking about those who do not show themselves responsible and accountable, he said this, that everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. So you are not guaranteed more. You need to show yourself responsible and mature. And one of the best ways to make yourself responsible and mature is to make yourself responsible and mature. Yeah, no, that's what it says. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I knew what I was going to say. But this is what I mean. You guys need to put yourself in a position where you are going to be responsible for something being accomplished. You, you are so responsible for this thing. The success of this thing happening depends on you. If you do not show up, then this thing falls apart and you are held accountable for it. Put yourself into that position because that's the best way that you are going to grow in responsibility and maturity. You know, think about your parents. At what age did they get married? Probably around the age that you are now. And for those of you who are a little older, maybe they got married even younger than what you are now. And think about your grandparents. At what age did they get married? You know, I think my mom got married at age 20. My grandparents probably got married even younger, especially the ones that are from Mexico, like got married at 12 or something. I don't know. <laughs> Work in the fields and stuff like that. But they got married. They had kids at such early ages, and they had to grow up. They had to grow up. They had to become responsible. They had to be mature. They were responsible for so much. And they were going to be held accountable by their spouse and their children. Because if I don't do, if I don't take care of my business, if I'm not responsible, my children are going to starve. If I'm not responsible for my, for my business, 
my husband is going to resent me or my wife is going to resent me. They placed themselves into these positions and they grew up. You know, but you look at our current culture, you know, we still have people in their 30s living at home playing video games. Like, what are you doing? You know, and then they're, and they're wondering when they're going to find a wife. You ain't ready, bruv. You ain't ready. Turn off the video games. Become a responsible man. But I make a lot of money off these video games. Yeah, that's fine. But can you, can, can, can you serve a wife? You ain't ready, bruv. Yeah, you making money? That's cool. That's about like 1% of what you're supposed to be doing as a husband. That ain't it. That ain't all of it. And that same concept applies spiritually. You want to grow spiritually? You want to grow in spiritual maturity? You need to put yourself in a position where you are responsible for something, spiritually speaking, where your presence and your work is needed to make these things happen, to make this thing happen. That's how you're going to grow. You take that one talent, you take that one minus, be responsible for it, increase it, work it, and then turn it into more, which will then result in the Lord giving you more. And I'm only speaking to those of you who like, want to grow. I'm like, this isn't for everybody. I'm only speaking to those who want to grow in maturity, who want to grow in their faith and maturity in Christ, who want to grow in the Lord, who want to be given more by the Lord to manage. Take responsibility for things. Make yourself responsible and accountable for things, spiritually speaking. And for those of you who want to grow, you have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to grow, to grow in responsibility and to grow in maturity. There are many areas here, even here at this church, where you can place yourself in a, in a position of responsibility of accomplishing something. We have a lot of areas of service here. There are some of you who already are serving. There are some of you who are, are serving in the children's ministry. If you don't show up, that class suffers, right? If you don't show up, then for the class that you're responsible for, then now, okay, now, now the children's ministry leaders, now they're going to scramble. Like, okay, so like... They, this person didn't show up, so now i got to switch this person over here, and then this person over here, but then that classroom is going to be, you know, like, some of you are already doing that. Some of you are already in a position of being held responsible for something, and that's going to do nothing but grow you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you to be spiritually mature. I mean, think about people, like, you, you hear stories of, of you know, uh, siblings whose parents die, right? And then the oldest, what happens? They grow up. They grow up quick, because now responsibility has been thrust on them. Now they're, now they're, being, now they're held responsible for the livelihood of their, of their younger siblings. So they grow up. They grow up quick. They leave the things of a child behind, and they move on to maturity. And so that's what I recommend to you guys doing. If you want to grow in your walk, if you're like, man, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing the things, but you feel like you're not growing, you're not growing in maturity, or maybe, maybe you don't think, maybe you're not thinking like, oh, I feel like I'm not growing. Maybe you're not growing, you just don't see it. Well, I recommend to you guys, all of you guys, make yourself responsible for something. And that's going to cause you to grow. When I first got saved, I, w- I was just showing up. I was going to church. But then I just felt like, man, I, I want to grow in my faith. It's like, okay, I'm going to start serving. Started serving on the soundboard at my previous church. Um, and then, you know, just doing, doing, doing what Alan does back there, just adjusting levels for the, for the worship music and, and all of that stuff. And then eventually when we transitioned to a nightclub, you know, it was, it was an easy transition. You know, it was nothing. I'm just kidding. Um, many of you guys know that story. My church previously tried to do a Christian nightclub. It was ridiculous. It was the worst idea in the world. 
and we got dragged into it, and uh, many people left the church because, like, Christian nightclub, square circle, you know, like, anyway. Um, but yes, make yourself responsible for something, especially if you want to grow in spiritual maturity. Make yourself, or put yourself in a position of being responsible for something, being held accountable for something actually happening and, and, and succeeding. And we have many areas here at the church. Let me know if you want to grow in that area. Um, but that's it. That's the admonition for you guys. That's the, that's the word for you guys tonight. So um, let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you that you know, you're just, you're so good to us, Lord, that you just continue to speak to us. Uh, you, you want us to grow, Lord. You want us to, to draw near to you. You want us to be mature believers in Christ. And so, Lord, I just pray that whoever this message was for, that it reaches them and um, that they would obey God, that they would obey what you are speaking to them. And Lord, I just now pray for this time of prayer that we're going to be getting into that you would bless that time, God, that people would be able to just get things off of, off of their chest and, and be prayed for and find rest, find peace, find joy in your presence, God. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And for those of you, uh, out of, I don't know how many new people we got here that I'm not aware of, uh, but um, I just want to make sure that we communicate the gospel. Um, many of you know the gospel, but the gospel is this. The message of God's love and grace is this, is that we were all born dead in our sins. We were all born dead in our sins. There's not a single person who's been born that is not born dead in their trespasses and sins. If you don't believe me, look at a baby. Babies are, they're, they're savages. You know, like they, they, you have to teach them to share. You have to teach them to be kind. You have to teach them eventually when they learn that they can lie to get things done, then you, now you got to teach them to tell the truth. Nobody has to teach a baby how to sin. They come out of the womb knowing how to do it. It just, it takes a while for their body to catch up with, with, you know, being able to sin. And then once they are, you know, so we're all born dead in our sins. We're all sinners, every single person. And because of that, God, the just and holy God of the universe, the creator of the universe, his standard is perfection. He has an eternal home. It's called heaven. And all of us would love to be there. The problem is God requires perfection. God requires perfection to enter into his kingdom of heaven, but none of us are perfect. And so because of that, we die, we stand before God. He's going to say, yeah, no, you're a sinner. You can't come in here. You're guilty, so you're going to be punished forever in hell. You expect a rapist to get punished. You expect a thief to get punished. You expect a pedophile to get punished for their crimes. Well, that sense of justice was given to us by God. That was given to us by God because God is just. And so we sinners are to expect nothing but hell forever as a punishment for our sins. But, but God, God so loved the world. He loved you and me so much that he sent his one and only son to take the punishment for our sins. Jesus Christ took God's wrath on the cross. He took it all. He drank the cup of God's wrath. There's nothing left for you to drink, even if you wanted to drink the cup of God's wrath. Like, no, 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 I'll take it. You can't. The cup is empty. It's empty. So now all you got to do is believe that Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice for your sins. That, that, that sacrifice was acceptable to God. He poured out his wrath on his son, they buried him, and then he rose again. He rose again to show us we can rise again too. And the sacrifice was sufficient, and we're going to be new creatures in Christ. 
All you need to do is believe. It's a free gift. Just take it. Just take the free gift of salvation. Believe in it. But Jesus also says to repent. Jesus says, believe and repent. Repent. Turn away from your sins. Change your mind about your sins. You think one way about your sins. I love fornication. All right, but God says it's wrong. Never mind. I don't. I'm going to change my mind. I love drinking. I love drugs. I love pornography. God says it's wrong. All right, never mind. I'm changing my mind about it. I'm, I'm moving towards God. Walk away from sin and move towards God. That's repentance. And in that, in all of that, in all of that activity, it's not like a one step, two step, three step, but like in the midst of all of that stuff, God gives you his Holy Spirit. He goes to live inside of you and he seals up his spirit inside of you so that you are able to say, I used to like that, don't anymore. I'm a new person. I am a new creature. I am new in Christ because of God's spirit inside of us. And that's what it is. That's what it is to be born again. That's what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. That's the message. That's the gospel. So if there's anybody in here, I don't know all of you, but if there's anybody in here who wants to accept that free gift of salvation, I would like to pray for you. So just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Raising your hand doesn't save you. Repeating a prayer doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ saves you. So if there's anybody, I just want to give the opportunity. There may be nobody, and that's fine, but I just want to make sure I give the opportunity. Is there anybody in here who wants to give their life to Christ to come to him for the forgiveness of sin so they can go to heaven? They can go to heaven and be forgiven by God. Anybody? Anybody? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. All right, we're going to pray for you. All right, Father, I just want to pray for, for John. God, I don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know what things he's dealing with, but I know that you're speaking to him. And so, God, I just pray now that if he wasn't sure about his salvation before, that he would be sure tonight, that he would know that it truly is all about faith in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ alone is, what, is, is who saves us. That belief, that faith is what saves us from your wrath in hell forever. And I pray, God, that your spirit would be inside of him, that you would fill him with your spirit, seal your spirit up in him so that he can now walk in victory, so that he can now walk in repentance. He can now walk in faith. And God, I just pray that today would be the the first day of the rest of his life, that he'd be a new creature, recreated and regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for his life, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.